You're listening to the Gospel for Planet Earth podcast. Welcome to the Gospel for Planet Earth podcast. I'm your host, Carl Gessler, and joining me today on the inside of today's podcast will be Susie Gessler, also our friend Jason Murgas, who's going to be debating with me on the subject of election. And Susie is joining us also for this uh, debate to keep us grounded and to say, hey, we don't know what you're talking about. And so I think it went very well. This was kind of an experiment. Um, we're moving, trying to, not moving in this direction, but trying to introduce more of a conversational tone in the podcast. I enjoy listening to podcasts like that, and I trust that you will too. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, we had a conversation with Susie's Uncle Frank. We called it Frank Conversations, and that was very popular. So I'm looking forward to more of that in the future. Um, so I hope you enjoy today's podcast, and we're going to dive right in. Before we dive into today's debate, I wanted to share a scripture on election. And really, in my view, the entire Bible is about the election of Israel, about God's elective purposes for the world carried out through Israel. And so as we read Isaiah 43, verse 1 through 13 today, this is about Israel's hope in the God who has promised to do something and will be faithful to complete it. But now thus says the Lord, your creator, O Jacob, who formed you, O Israel. Do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you, and through the rivers, they will not overflow you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be scorched, nor will the flame burn you. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. I have given Egypt as your ransom, Cush and Seba in your place, since you are precious in my sight, since you are honored and I love you. I will give other men in your place and other peoples in exchange for your life. Do not fear, for I am with you. I will bring your offspring from the east and gather you from the west. I will say to the north, Give them up, and to the south, Do not hold them back. Bring my sons from afar and my daughters from the ends of the earth. Everyone who is called by my name, whom I have created for my glory, whom I have formed, even whom I have made. Bring out the people who are blind, even though they have eyes, and the deaf, even though they have ears. All the nations have gathered together. Who among them can declare this and proclaim to us the former things? Let them present their witnesses that they may be justified, or let them hear and say, It is true. You are my witnesses, declares the Lord, and my servant whom I have chosen, so that you may know and believe me and understand that I am he. Before me there was no God formed, and there will be none after me. I, even I, am the Lord, and there is no Savior besides me. It is I who have declared and saved and proclaimed, and there is no strange God among you. So you are my witnesses, declares the Lord, and I am God. Even from eternity I am He, and there is no one who can deliver out of my hand. I act, and who can reverse it? Welcome to a special edition of the Gospel for Planet Earth podcast. I'm your host, Carl Gessler, with my co-host. Gessler. And, oh, hey, there's another guy in here today. What's up? It's this guy. My name's Jason Murgis. I'm yeah. 
super happy to be here. Hey, thanks for coming, Jason. Thanks for having me. Jason, uh, I think actually our connection is through Chick-fil-A, which... Yes. <laughs> as uh, many of you know, we travel and do a traveling ministry, which makes home church difficult. So we just tell people we eat at Chick-fil-A, and that's like <laughs> church membership. Totally is. <laughs> it is. No, so, uh, Jason, you... Um, you learned about the podcast through my brother, is that correct? Yes, sir. Yeah. Yes, sir. So he, uh, my brother uh, shared, I think, the podcast on election right. with you, which is a fairly old one. Actually, I went back and listened to it, and I was like, ah! <laughs> so I hope that, I think the, uh, the quality has improved since then. But uh, So you want to uh, kind of give some pushback on that, I guess? Well, yeah, um, I'm a Reformed um, Baptist. Uh, I, I guess I say Reformed Baptist because I don't believe in You're not infant a Baptist ba- anymore? Is that what that well, means? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I don't believe in infant baptism. So okay. we're Presbyterians tend to do infant baptism and that type you of thing. You don't believe in that? No, nope, well, I don't believe I've in infant it. baptism. You've seen it? <laughs> I have seen it. <laughs> oh, man. Okay. Wow. But so, yeah, I'm a Reformed Baptist. Um, okay. And so I, I believe in the doctrines of grace, and the five solas, the scary tulip sometimes. Okay, nice. So. Well, this will be a lively discussion today. Wait, is the scary tulip something with Calvinism? Yes. yes. Okay. That's, uh, I, I, the five okay. points. I think I remember hearing that. Absolutely. Once, I mean, in fact, I generally don't say Calvinist because that immediately, like, it brings a lot of heat to the discussion for uh-huh. people. So it's like it, Texas Pete. It is. It is. Or anything Texas. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I generally stick with Reformed and then, obviously, well, there's a there is a fresh wave of Calvinists, and there's a, some kind of movement. I don't know if yes, it's sir. officially a movement, but uh, I've heard that there's actually six point Calvinists now. So, do you have to change the flower? I don't know. I've not heard of that. There's tulips. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> okay. Well, anyway, before we dive into that, why not? I'd like to hear a little bit about how you came to know the Lord as we were. This is our first day meeting, actually, Woo-hoo. and um, you were just sharing with us a little bit that you, you've only been a believer maybe for the past 13 years? Yeah. Um, I was saved shortly after my son was born. Uh, well, he was a little bit older than that, I guess. He was, he was just starting Awanas, so I don't know when they start that, but I guess maybe I don't know, five, six maybe he was. Okay. I don't know. Anyways, um, we were at the, at the church we were attending, um, and I was reading... Genesis. I used to not be a Seventh-day creationist. Uh, now I am. But I was reading through Genesis, and I hit uh, the genealogies. So-and-so beget so-and-so, and they have many children, dot, dot, dot. Mm. Um, the part that a lot of people skip. Right. You know. But I hit uh, the part about Enoch, and it says, uh, so-and-so begets, en- be not- begets Enoch. And Enoch had children, and then Enoch walked with the Lord. And I, that just grabbed me. You know, I'd like to say it was like, you know, one of the other verses, like in the New Testament or something like that, that just like, but no, it was just a simple Enoch had children and Enoch walked with the Lord. Wow. Um, Sounds like a rhema. I, it, was, it was just, it was ridiculous. Like, I don't know why that one grabbed me. I, you know, later on, I, looking back, I'm like, well, that's God's sufficiency in Scripture. And, mm-hmm. and you know, I just, that grabbed me and I, you know, that's when I was saved. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That rhema, that specific word. From God to you. Yeah. yeah. From then on, it's it's been, you know, a journey. So did you grow up reading the Bible? I... You, you said you, you mentioned a minute ago that you were raised... Uh, non-practicing Baptist? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Yeah. Um, we had Bibles, and I would peruse it some, and, and my, like I said, my grandmother was more versed in it than I was. When I got to high school, it was reading it to try to fit in, because I went to a Amish high school. In Sarasota, Florida, so you weren't Amish, but you went to an Amish. That's school. right, because it was either Amish oh. high school or 
Catholic high school. My mom didn't want me to go to Catholic high school for whatever reason, so she put me in Amish high school. Wow. Wow. Did you have to get one of the haircuts? I didn't, but I could grow a beard. Okay. And that was cool. Oh. <laughs> so That's I could fit right. in that way. You grew a beard in high school? I did, yeah. Yeah, this, yeah, I, yeah, for sure. I had, a, I had a little mustache in sixth grade. Nice. So, But yeah, uh, you know, reading it there, um, but not, you know, really taking it in, reading right, it. Right. Um, and then going to college, uh, being interested in religion, so getting a, you know, working towards a bachelor's in religion and not being saved until, you know, many years after that. Mm. And then seriously turning to it and and that so uh your study of theology is that uh is that a pretty informal thing or is that something you focused on when you were at liberty it uh it was i got yeah i uh, i really got a passion for apologetics at liberty during my time there i had uh, a couple jehovah's witnesses come to our house and i was like ooh, i want to i want to talk to them so they came in and we laid down some ground rules it's like look you're not going to change my mind on x y and z um but i love to talk with you so they came back, and I kept trying to find sources, and I, I went to YouTube, because that's where you go to find all theology. Right, right. Um, <laughs> YouTube, Google. Went to, Wikipedia. Yeah, Wikipedia, yeah. yeah. You can um, change it, too. Went, you can if you don't like it. <laughs> but I, I went to YouTube, and, and I looked up Christian-debased Jehovah's Witnesses. Um, I found uh, Alpha and Omega Ministries, which is uh, Dr. James White's YouTube ministry. Um, and he's done over like 100... I think now like 152 like moderated debates mm -hmm. and he's debating Job's witness. So I started watching that and he would talk about things like, you know, election, God's sovereignty to choose God's sovereignty and creation, all that. Mm -hmm. um, and I would sit there and go, no, no, that's not right. And I'd look at it. No, no. Yes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, coming, going from uh, where I was when I was initially saved to reform theology now, you know, has been, has been a pretty long journey but it's changed my whole christian outlook you know i went from being a, a believer in basically theistic evolution mm -hmm. to being a six-day creationist because if i want to have the highest view of scripture that i can have i have to have christ's view of scripture and mm -hmm. christ took scripture literally you know calling out hey jonah well jonah was eaten by fish do i believe that because jesus is using that as an example okay um so that pu that pushed me towards a very serious view of scripture okay and then that uh, yeah that brings me here well i heard someone say one time that baptists are calvinists they just haven't read the bible enough yet <laughs> to know that they are and uh, that does seem to be often true no no offense mm -mm. to uh baptists there are plenty of yeah. uh, well-read baptists it's, it's a joke tongue-in-cheek but i have seen it many <laughs> times and I, uh, personally i think it actually comes from uh, our particular concept of of truth mm -hmm. um we are very much children of the enlightenment and we see things in formulaic terms and scientific terms and we approach the bible as kind of when we say this is god's truth we see it somewhat as a collection of truths and so we try we take those truths very seriously mm -hmm. i think that um, personally i think i'm sure this will come out in in today's discussion but i think the bible is more nuanced than that because it wasn't written from a enlightenment perspective mm -hmm. but from a middle eastern ancient near eastern perspective mm -hmm. so there i think there are more nuances to how we understand the biblical writers but mm -hmm. uh, as we dive into election today i asked Susie to join us we were initially it was just going to be us too but Susie's going to be our control rod so she can be <laughs> like hey hey i don't know what you guys are talking about slow mm -hmm. down or something like that yeah <laughs> i'll just try not to do that too much <laughs> 
So um, you listened to the the podcast on election. Was there something in that that you wanted to uh, spring off of, or what? Maybe this is a better way to phrase it. What is your motivation for even having the discussion on election? Um, I think I think a lot of times the, the doctrine of election and predestination are often not 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 purposely misrepresented, mm-hmm. but um, tackled from a position of. I don't know, a, a position more of feeling and a position more of, of like, tradition that I've, I've gained. I've gained the tradition, you know, uh, lot, a lot of friends of mine who aren't Reformed, very, uh, very just, no, no, it's whosoever, it's all. Mm-hmm. Every single, indi- all individualistically as, as opposed to all without distinction. And it, it, like I said, it brings a lot of heat. Mm-hmm. Um, it's high, high emotionally charged topic. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, but I think if if you go back to well, let's say if you go back to the tulip, and you you don't want to just yank out unconditional election and hold it in a vacuum, because you have to look at that in light of man's state before God. So man's state before God is dead in sin, um, meaning when we're we're born dead. We are haters of God, enemies of God. We're in enmity with God. The wrath of God is, uh, in the Greek, present tense, just resting on us. Mm. We can't please God, and we can't, according to according to Christ in John six forty eight. You know, you're incapable. Um, you can't come to me, apart from the Father drawing you. Okay, let me let me pause there, and we'll back up a little bit before we get too too far into that road. You referred to tulip. A lot of people don't know what tulip is. Sure. You want to give us a quick rundown? Sure. Um, so total depravity, meaning that man is you know, completely affected by sin in both his will and his yeah. and the Reasoning world. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Unconditional election, which is that God freely chooses who he's going to save, and he did so um, before the foundations of the world. Mm-hmm. He has chosen a people to save. And then limited atonement. Meaning, and some people will say particular redemption, um, because again, limited atonement is people, more negative. Yeah, people are like, "Oh my gosh, this is horrible." Well, no, it's it's that Christ's death on the cross is effective for those that God has chosen to save. That's a limited amount. Yes, well, limited. Yes, in li- again, all in distinction, not all individual. So uh, the the atonement is limited to who does Christ say He dies for? Christ says, "I lay down." The Good Shepherd lays down His life for His sheep. So the atonement is limited to those sheep and then um, irresistible grace again people people kind of like being drugged kicking and screaming um into heaven but uh when we remember we're dead in sin we can't come to god with apart from his drawing so he raises us to spiritual life takes out the heart of stone puts in the heart of flesh then once those scales are gone and we see ourselves before a holy god the only response that we have is have mercy on me. And so it's not like you're drag kicking and screaming. You are, your eyes are open to who you are, and uh, you respond with repent and repentance and belief. And then preservation uh, or perseverance of the saints. Um, that's simply the, the, the idea that is uh, those who are saved, genuinely saved, not people who just say, I'm saved, but they continue on. And mm-hmm. um, you will persevere till the end. You're not going to apostate. You're not going to give up your faith. You might, you're going to sin. You're not perfect, obviously. Um, you There's that continual growth, and God will hold you because, again, uh, Christ said, of those that the Father has given me, I won't lose one. Mm-hmm. So that perseverance, that you, Christ is holding on to your salvation, secure in Christ. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's that's it 
you know, right down the line. Mm. Okay, that's good. Thank you for that. So is that five running. or six? That's five. That was five. Okay. Tulip. You could. T-U-L-I-P. <laughs> you okay. could put God's sovereignty, like you put an S up at the top, but then it sounds weird. Yeah. Yeah. So that's a good summary, and I appreciate that. So my passion to this topic comes up fairly often um, on the podcast because I'm, I've always been passionately mm-hmm. not Calvinist. Right. Um, and when I was younger, it was more, uh, I cannot accept this. Mm-hmm. Um, there has to be another explanation. I think my uh, position is a lot more, um, it, it, there's a lot more to it now. And, but, you know, just like, uh, that's one of the reasons why I asked you about your, your background mm-hmm. um, is because none of us have our theological positions <laughs> in a vacuum. Sure. You know? Um, it's uh, we we have them for we have motivations for them and yes, that's, that's perfectly fine and it is a, a highly charged emotional topic and my passion in it is I think pastoral and mm-hmm. that I know that the anxiety that it has caused me I've seen it cause uh, anxiety in other people mm-hmm. and um, yeah I just have some very rational uh, logical reasons sure. to object to it. But I know that your position is also pastoral mm-hmm. um, because um, that's what you went to school for in right. the first place. But also, I, I've known now from our traveling, actually, by meeting people from Wesleyan backgrounds or Nazarene backgrounds or Baptist backgrounds where they were always questioning their salvation, that the uh, doctrine of election is taught um, by John Calvin and, and many, as it's morphed in different forms, uh, throughout our culture, they find great relief mm-hmm. in that. So I'm guessing that's kind of where you're coming from. Sure, yeah. absolutely. Um, well, you said uh, in your in the election podcast, you know, it would be impossible to believe because I wouldn't believe because God didn't give me the ability to believe. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm paraphrasing a little bit. Oh, that's pretty um, accurate. Um, but yeah, like I would not. I, I'm I'm a hater of God apart from God's grace. Mm. You know, I'm not just like hating God, I don't like you, God. No, I'm in God's house burning it down. Mm-hmm. And he comes in and saves me, mm. removes the scales from my eyes, and then, like, like I said, have mercy on me. I'm a sinner. Yeah, that, That's just beautiful that God chooses to do that. Even though I was not raised to be a Calvinist, um, my mom actually was raised in an extremely fundamentalist mm-hmm. uh, Calvinist home. Uh, my dad was raised Catholic. Mm-hmm. Uh, and wow. So, um, yeah, but... Uh, my mom, and they both came to the Lord kind of outside of those mm-hmm. contexts. But uh, I was surprised at how much certain influences, and it wasn't just my parents, but I think by and large our evangelical Protestant culture is mm-hmm. mostly Calvinistic in its core. Um, and at least in my experience you, in the Bible Belt. I got you. Um, but when I became a parent, I expected my child to be rebellious, mm-hmm. and I was waiting to uh, discipline the child, uh, <laughs> discipline the rebellion out of them. Sure. And what I was really shocked about and what really kind of um, gave me pause, and I praise God that it did, was that I discovered that I started disciplining my kids for not understanding me. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I, they did something that I was so eager to jump on as rebellion, and I discovered they actually wanted to please me. Mm-hmm what they were having trouble with was understanding what I wanted. Mm-hmm. And that was a major like revelation to me because I was like, you know what? Why did I expect my kids to want to rebel against me? Because I never wanted to rebel against my parents. Mm-hmm. I, and every child I know, what they want more than anything is their parents' approval. Mm-hmm. 
And so that made me go, can God, does God really, am I, I, do I have that approach toward God? Like, do I just want to rebel? And No, I don't. And I never have. Mm-hmm. You know, there are moments, I mean, there are plenty of times when I sin. That sure. is a moment of rebellion. Sure. In my, that, so to me, that's a challenge right there to the doctrine of total depravity. Mm-hmm. It's like, I, I'm not totally depraved. Well, it's not that people, people don't do good. You know, it's not like someone who is, let's say, uh, just take Richard Dawkins, you know, just a very hardline atheist, mm-hmm. you know, someone who's not religious in any way doesn't do good things and want good things uh like jesus said you know even you who are evil do good for your children mm. um and again that's kind of the jason amazon version right just paraphrasing there <laughs> um it's not that we're incapable of doing good that we don't do good that we don't even do some altruistic things but that's because we're made in god's image uh-huh. and we still bear god's image mm-hmm. um which is what we suppress when paul talks in romans one about look you you who see god you who know god you suppress that truth and unrighteousness and in doing so, you are given over. And so we do good, and we want to do good sometimes, but our best is just filthy rags. Really what that total depravity is hitting at is I cannot, of my own volition, of my own will, wake up one morning and go, today I'm going to be a Christian. I'm going to follow God. Nobody just does that. If somebody does, then there has, there's that evidence of a drawing uh, from the Holy Spirit, drawing from God, um, there's God using means to bring that person to faith, um, or to bring that person to Him and then giving Him the gift of faith and repentance and, and all that. So, um. yeah. So this will get us into the into the text. Some, um, you know, I do agree that that God takes the initiative in mm-hmm. all in all things. But what we, you know, and I've been saying this as we travel around, you know, that God uh, loves you all mm-hmm. the time. He loves you right now. Mm-hmm. He'll never stop loving you. But you may not benefit from that, mm-hmm. if depending on how you respond. To mm-hmm. it, you know, um, so yeah, I do agree that, uh, with the initiative being with God. But just textually speaking, I mean, Paul uh, just say that there is none righteous, not even one. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, he also talks about Gentiles mm-hmm. who obey the law without knowing the law. Right, because you know? it, they're they're law unto themselves because it's written in their heart. Right. Yeah. Uh, but it, but he still talks about this group of people that seem to be succeeding mm-hmm. in obeying the law. So you can say the same thing, and I'm sure mm-hmm. you've experienced this as a teacher. You can say the same thing over and over again, sure. and you think you've beaten a dead horse. But in a way, many times people, no one's heard you. Sure. Or or the people that you think have heard you, they haven't really comprehended what you've been saying. Mm-hmm. And uh, so uh, in the election podcast... Um, one of the main things that I tried to emphasize and, and I still emphasize now is that the reason that this whole topic is confusing, you know, like you mm-hmm. can have uh, Arminius, and I, that's not how mm-hmm. I identify as Arminius. Sure. I don't even really know what that guy said. But <laughs> whether you're, you're a free will person or a predestination person, you can find your verses, your proof text to back them up, and, you know, maybe you can pile up, see which one's higher, and choose that way. And I think... That we're missing it all together, mm-hmm. um, and the main reason for that is kind of the essence of this podcast, that the gospel is not about getting individuals saved for heaven. Mm-hmm. The gospel is about Jesus bringing the kingdom of God on earth as mm-hmm. it is in heaven. And so when we come to the, the letter to the Romans, where this conversation comes from mainly, mm-hmm. Paul's topic is not 
how do individuals get into heaven, but how has God been faithful to his promise? <clears throat> yeah, I, I could see that in there. I see a lot of monergism, which is just a fancy word for monergism. Yeah, synergism and monergism. That's really what the crux of the debate, I think, is. Um, you might have to help. help, help okay, so out. synergism is uh, cooperating. So we cooperate with God in our salvation. Okay. Um, okay. Monergism is uh, it's all of God. So okay. I don't cooperate with God in my salvation. Um, even uh, I think uh, I think you said you know, like you you're not even going to believe if God doesn't you know in election you're not going to believe if God doesn't choose you. And that's monergism. You can't believe. Well, monergism is saying God chooses, and because He chose you, you believe. Right. Right. You have. I don't. You belong to God before you ever say, "Save me." So then it would have to start with monergism, so you could go on to synergism. No, no. no synerg- he's saying that the debate is between people who think it's all God and people who think it's me and God. To some extent. So, like, synergism, a, a synergistic view would be like, um, well, God is trying to save me, right? God is doing, God has done everything he can do to save me. Now I have to do something. I have to, I have to choose him. I have to allow it. I have to, you know, one of the verses you hear a lot about uh, with this, it's taken wildly out of context, is, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone opens the door, hears me and opens the door, I will come in and sup with them out of Revelation. So- Je- Jesus is talking to a church. There, he's talking to supposed believers. There, he's not talking to unbelievers. There, mm-hmm. but a lot of times that verse is, again, held out in a vacuum. So you're saying that the then the people, the Romans. Just no, I'm what I'm what I'm saying. What I'm sorry. What I'm saying is this is good. This is so he was saying that Romans is talking about God uh, working through and saving through Israel, basically. If I'm if I'm not okay. hearing you wrong, I I will go ahead continue. Um. There is that. God elects people, like elects countries, elects Israel. Um, but um, Romans 9 is focused on God's sovereign choice to choose and save whom he chooses to save. Okay. Apart from anything that I do, period. Including, you know, like, I can't find the sinner's prayer in Scripture. The thief on the cross didn't say a sinner's prayer. He said, remember me. This this cooperation between me and God in some way, like God has to have my permission or God, I have to be willing for God to, I mean, Jesus said, Lazarus, come out. Lazarus didn't go, oh, no, I like it here. He just responded. He came out. Um, that's, that's kind of a picture of monergism. Jesus says, God says, come. When he calls you, you go. Yeah. Okay. I mean, there are pictures you could use of synergism, like the uh, the Jesus saying to the woman, "Your faith has made you well." Mm-hmm. But uh, I don't really think that actually is where the debate is, because um, that's still making me and my salvation uh, the central mm-hmm. topic. And um, I believe what Paul is dealing with is um, what, well, a big reason for it is now that Gentiles are being included. Mm-hmm. Um, and partially a big reason for that is because of the the, uh, gen- the Jewish rejection of Jesus. Yes, sir. Paul's trying to, uh, it's a pastoral letter where he's working to bring the Gentiles and Jews to a common ground, to a common mind as to what God has done. Yes, sir. And uh, doing that, um, he's explaining that how God used Israel's failure mm-hmm. to complete his purpose. But his purpose was always... Through Abraham and through your family, I'm going to bless all nations. Sure. 
And so uh, when it comes to election, when it comes to predestination, the thing predestined is got what God has planned to do. Mm-hmm. And the election is, I'm going to do it through you. Okay. Uh, and But that once it's done, it's for the whole world. I got you. So that's... Like the whole world, like every single person in the world. Yes. Okay. So does God judge? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Does Jesus save everybody? Salvation is for everybody, uh-huh. but not not all men will be saved. Yes, but not because he hasn't saved them. Right. So if God gives grace to everybody, like prevenient grace, you know, grace that goes before, mm-hmm. like God has given the same measure of grace to every single human being, that will enable them to respond to the gospel because every single human being has this grace. If God gives all this grace to every single individual so that every single individual in the, on, in the world can respond to the gospel— what separates the person who responds and the person who doesn't? Well, it's a number of things, and I think one of the main things is not hearing. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, when I was talking to my friend about this a couple of weeks ago, I said I think the, w- the problem here is we need to redefine the terms. Okay. Uh, and one is the gospel. Okay. Uh, so when you say the gospel, what do you mean? Repent and believe. So that? So that you'll be saved. Saved for? Saved from? Sin and death. Um, I guess the, the, what I'm getting at, though, is are you you're saved from um, sin and death now, and from the wrath of God. So, uh, so that's a bi- that is a bigger story there, though. Uh, when you say saved from the wrath of God, you know what is the source of that wrath? Why is He angry? You know, right? What what is going on there? Uh, what is the big picture? What is what is the meta narrative for God's wrath? Yeah, um, uh, that man has sinned, and that man is a hater of God. All our we invent evil, you know. According according to to Paul, and at the end of Romans one, I mean, he gives us one of those vice lists, you know, that you find all over all over the place. Um, you know that we invent evil, and we're just we're haters of God. We are we're enemies of God. That's our that's our starting position. So in that narrative, though, we have not yet, and I feel like the hunchback of Notre Dame because my, <laughs> you're my microphone keeps going away from me. <laughs> but uh, in that in that meta narrative that that big story the story is still god created a world and we rebelled and now god's very angry and we're all going to hell unless he does something about it not well remember god doesn't desire that anyone should perish it's not like god is like slam dunking people into hell plant god didn't pivot when the fall happened it's not like he was like oh, i didn't see that coming mm-hmm. you know god is sovereign and all-knowing so when was christ crucified According to Scripture, Christ was crucified before the foundations of the world. Mm-hmm. It's always been God's plan for things to go this way because he's sovereign. It's his decree. He's always had the plan to show his full character, like it says in Romans 9, to have mercy on whom he, has, who he wants to have mercy on, to save some. Um, and, and by some, I, I think another problem that we run into when we're talking about the elect is, number one, we don't know who the elect are. That's why it's important to go out and share the gospel and share scripture to to preach the word because I don't know who the I want to preach the word to as many people as I can so that those who have ears can hear. Um, but if they're elect, they're elect. That's right. But God has chosen yeah. us believers as the means to share the gospel and to 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 bring those people to Him. How will they? Uh, you know, how will they hear if no one goes? That sounds like synergism. No, not synergism. <laughs> God is using us to draw people. Uh-huh. Um, 
so uh, the that that's one idea that that well again uh, so when you say though that god um just a few seconds ago you mm -hmm. said that god uh desires that no man should perish sure does that mean that he desires that no man who's already predestined before the foundations of the mm -hmm. world should perish or that no man who walks the earth should perish in the context of you know when we're looking at just that scripture peter is writing to to a church that is um, dealing with people who are saying, look, look, things are keep going the way they're going. Where's God? Where are his promises? Peter's writing to believers in that church saying, look, God doesn't want any of you, he's talking to believe beloved, he says, to perish. He's slow. He's waiting for you to come. Um, and he's going to draw, basically, he doesn't desire them to, to perish. So God isn't doesn't desire any of his elect to perish, so he saves them. But... Um, he also, like I said, he's not like, he's not slam dunking people. He's not like, you're not, when you die, it's not like, he's like, ha ha ha, look what you did. It sounds like you're saying he's indifferent. It's not, he's not indifferent. He, when you discipline your children, you're not like, ha ha ha, now I get to discipline you. Mm. Right? You don't desire that, but you do it because your children get justice. So it's not that people are getting something they don't deserve. People get what they deserve. They get justice. The only way that God can be God is, is God can save all, but if God saves every single individual, then we don't see his holiness, his justice, and his wrath against sin, which he says, I hate sin. If he saves nobody, then we don't see his love and his grace and his mercy. Uh, if he saves some, i.e. God saves some people, i.e. the elect, which, again, people think, oh, this is a small, so few, it's a few elect. No. The elect in Scripture is described as new, more numerous than the sand than the the sands on the beach. Yet the narrow gate. The elect isn't a small number, but God gets to God chooses to save people in order to show His full character. He actively saves people, but for those people that aren't saved, it's, it's He's passing over them. He's not actively sending them to hell. That's double predestination. Sure, huh. uh, but it could also be said He's not saving them, which is if I don't save someone who's drowning. I'm letting them drown. Sure, but the difference is they're not getting justice then. Sure, that yeah, that's a to to me that's a violation of justice though because it's not it's not fair to to all. If I so that's why actually with the election podcast I had a the picture of his two identical twins. Mm -hmm. You know the whole concept of Jacob, I loved you, so I hated. Uh, friends of ours were having twin boys, and yeah. I asked them if they were going to name them Jacob, <laughs> I loved Denise, so I hated. And of course, everyone laughed and, or, yeah. or kind of make a mad face or whatever, because we all know that wouldn't be right. Right. And so, um, again, I just want to pull it back, and this is this is the essence. This is why the podcast will go on and on and on, because um, I do think that we uh, we have this default mode when we read the Bible, because we have been bathed we have been baptized in this concept that life is about getting to heaven and getting out of hell mm -hmm. life is about escaping god's wrath and god is very angry um until you become a christian and then you then you you know you're in the clear mm -hmm. uh but i don't believe that that's the topic of the bible sure you know, um, when jesus announced the kingdom of god on earth as it in, as it is in heaven uh that was a very different thing you know um and it's this worldly reality and so one of the, maybe a good example of this is what you quoted earlier when Jesus says of those, he, as he's praying, he says, of those you have given me, I have lost not one. And then when Jesus is arrested and the disciples flee, mm -hmm. and in essence, he told them to flee. Like when he's praying, 
uh, he says, pray that you don't enter into the, the test. And I always saw that as just like, pray that you won't be tempted mm-hmm. because scary things are going to happen. But he was saying, I'm about to go through a test mm-hmm. and you, you don't need to be part of it. Kind of like he said to them earlier, you can't follow me now when it's, you know, I'm taking up my cross. You can't actually follow me now, but you will follow later. Mm-hmm. When he's arrested, the disciples flee. And, it, and the scripture says, and this was to fulfill what Jesus prayed, that mm-hmm. of those you've given me, I've lost not one. They weren't arrested. They weren't killed. That's what would normally happen when a crucified, when a Messiah figure is arrested and crucified, his followers would be rounded up with him. Mm-hmm. And that's a very this-worldly thing. Um, so when I think of salvation, uh, when, when we're reading uh, Paul's letter to the Romans and talking about election, he's talking about God's purposes for this world. Uh, that he has carried out through Israel mm-hmm. in spite of their failure. And like you're saying about that, you know, God's initiative, God came to Abraham mm-hmm. and said, I've got this plan, and mm-hmm. I'm going to do it through you. And it says that Abraham believed God, mm-hmm. and that was counted Cred- as covenant faithful. Credited righteousness. Credited sure. righteousness, yeah. And so that, I mean, you can call it synergism, Abraham did nothing. Mm-hmm. He did nothing to um, initiate this. Right. He simply agreed with it. Right. Said, God okay. chosen. Yeah. But just to pull it back, I do think that our context for the conversation is what is where we find the tension. Mm-hmm. Um, but the trouble is, trying to rework that meta narrative, that mm-hmm. framework, is also just as sure contentious. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, you know, what is a way forward? What what is it that you most want people to know as you expound the scripture to them? Um, well, I want I want people to know that. Uh, well, first of all, if they know me personally, they know that you know I'm reformed. Hopefully, I give them a a picture of it that is not you know gloom and doom because mm-hmm. you know I I'm with you. God loves everyone. Um, that's evident in the fact that people who hate God wake up in the morning and draw breath. I just think that like us. God can discriminate with his love. God loves, like, you love your wife different than you love me as a brother in Christ, and that's a good thing, right? There's a, you, you can discriminate with how you love and the way you love someone. There's, you have a special love for your wife and your family, over and against even the love you have for your parents. But I also have a special need for my wife. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, well, and not we, to take away from the, the, the love that I have for her because I have a need for her, but I think one of the essence of being a good husband is learning how to love my wife as Christ loves the church absolutely. rather than love my wife for what she can do for me. Sure, absolutely. Yeah. But what I'm getting at is you dis- you have a separate love for your wife than you have for other people. Well, um, I guess I'm disagreeing on that point. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I hopefully get across that uh, that I'm that am open that I love discussing these things that my my ultimate goal is to share the gospel mm-hmm. um and to share that that Christ died to save sinners. Mm-hmm. And not just so we go to heaven at some point and avoid hell. And, you know, we're called to be in the world, but not necessarily of the world. But that doesn't mean being in the world is not a bad thing. It's not like we're, we're called to, to shelter away in monasteries like in the Middle Ages and withdraw. We're, we're called to be out in the world and, and to be winsome and, and loving and, and tell the truth in love. And I want to get that across. And again, like I said, the ultimate goal with I think with every everybody who is a believer is to share the gospel that Christ died for sinners, that God loves um, people. And when I talk with people who I who 
you maybe don't know whether you know anything about Reformed theology or anything like that. When I talk to unbelievers, then I'm just sharing the gospel, saying Christ died for sinners, mm-hmm. sinners just like you. Mm-hmm. And if you if you repent, you repent and believe. That's it. Mm-hmm. And and those who, like you said, you know, we a lot of times we don't because we don't hear. And Christ said, you know, uh, well you you can't unless the Father draws. When he was talking to the Pharisees, like you don't believe because you're not my sheep. I want I want those who can hear to hear, and I want to share the gospel with as many people as possible. Um, and I think that's the way to move forward. This type of stuff, I love this stuff. Mm-hmm. I love discussing doctrine. I love... Yeah, you mentioned earlier that you talked to Jehovah's Witnesses, and I actually thought of that like, I like when Jehovah's Witnesses come. I like when Mormons come because they want to talk. Yeah, absolutely. That's the same reason I like to talk to Calvinists. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because they want to talk about this. But I appreciate the tone that you bring because it's, um, it's not like if you don't believe this, you're a heretic. Right. <laughs> you can't really have a conversation that way. And I, even though uh, we, I don't know how helpful this has been, I think for other people, I don't know how well we have uh, stayed on, on topic <laughs> or whatever, but I believe that. This conversation will help us as as a whole, especially through the podcast, to know to uh, to work towards defining what we're talking about better, sure, and uh, advancing in the conversation because they they are important things, mm-hmm. you know, they are relevant things, and uh, I mean, theology is super important because it's how we understand God, and how we understand God is how we're going to understand ourselves mm-hmm. as well. Um, so I appreciate you taking the time. I think we'll have Thank to you wrap for... it up because. Uh, Opening it up it makes me realize how huge <laughs> it's a it huge is, topic. Yeah. You know? Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, this you've been, been great. Been great. We'll have to do it again. I, that'd be awesome. Just use this podcast as a springboard to go into more. After this week's <laughs> podcast, we're going to do next week, which is going to be everything that Jason said that was wrong. <laughs> we're going to talk about it. We're going to edit and splice. There you go. <laughs> so, um, if you enjoyed today, please let us know. Let Jason know that you appreciate him being on the podcast. Uh, you can check out more podcasts at thegospelforplanetearth.com. Thanks so much. This is The Cutting Edge. What you know about faith, boy? What you know about picking up your cross, boy? What you know about giving now you got till it ain't nothing left but the breath. For this week's Cutting Edge, I'm inviting you to become the people on the front line. This is the International Day of Prayer for the Persecuted Church Week. Some people observe it this weekend. Some people observe it next weekend. Really, it can be every weekend. Um, We're going to be hearing on the podcast next week from a man named David Garrison who wrote a book called The Wind in the House of Islam. And it's about all the thousands and thousands, hundreds of thousands of Muslims who are coming to Jesus around the world and how this phenomenon is extremely new and could very well be tied to the fact that only recently has there been a concerted effort to pray for Muslims to come to know Jesus. It's very fascinating. So I encourage you to come again next week to check that out, A Wind in the House of Islam. And in addition to the next week's podcast, I have three copies of the book, A Wind in the House of Islam, that I'm going to give to the first three people who simply contact me through the website, www.thegospelforplanetearth.com. Simply let me know that you want the book, and I'll be happy to send that to you. But the emphasis for the cutting edge today that I want to focus on is the fact that 
We, what we do and don't do in this world makes an enormous difference, and we are called to pray for our brothers and sisters around the world. The Voice of the Martyrs has a special DVD that you can order for free if you go to their website, persecution.com, and you can get that DVD. It will have a quick little five-minute story, powerful story about someone who's being persecuted, and that's a way that you can share these stories with other people and inspire them to pray. You can also go to prisoneralert.com where you can write to prisoners who are in, in prison for their faith around the world. But before you do any of that, just where you are right now, take five minutes and pray for someone in China, someone in India, someone in Pakistan, someone in Bangladesh, someone in Kenya, uh, where Boko Haram is growing in and persecuting Christians. Just take a minute to pray for Christians. Time and time again, I've heard, too, as people have gone to bring aid to Christians who are being persecuted, who have suffered much, they say, how can we help you? What do you want us to do for you? And the first thing they say is pray for us. They value prayer more than money. Money comes and goes. The government can steal your money. You can lose your health, but no one can take prayer from you. No one can take the Holy Spirit from you, and no one can take God's presence from you. So let's Remember that. Let's remember where our true wealth is, our true value is, and let's be on the front lines today and every day and pray for the persecuted. Well, I think you should know by now, if you've been a regular listener to this podcast, that I am not an expert on the subjects that we are talking about, and neither necessarily are the guests on this podcast. We just want honest and thoughtful conversation. This is a podcast for people who are everyday people and are just trying to figure out who this Jesus guy is and what does it mean to follow him. And uh, so hopefully that's coming through in the podcast. So I invite you, though, what, what questions would you have liked to ask? What points would you have liked to make? I welcome your feedback. You can visit us, thegospelforplanetearth.com, and uh, you can send me a comment on your thoughts for this week's podcast. Also, you can write underneath the podcast if you listen through SoundCloud. You can also join us on Facebook. There's a link below today's podcast if you want to click on that and join the Facebook group where you can have more conversation. We did get a little bit of feedback a couple weeks ago from our podcast called Frank Conversations. And Joe says to us, uh, great podcast this week. As a listener, I'd be interested to hear some thoughtful responses to Frank's or similar guest comments. I'm sure that would be hard to do in that immediate setting as your guest might feel ambushed, but perhaps edited in afterwards as you recap to provide suggestions for Christians who find themselves in similar conversations so they can be prepared, but also for anyone listening to this who may have similar views as Frank so that they may see the holes in the false doctrine of the Mormons or holes in the self-justification of being a C&E Christian, for example. But if that's not part of your goal, then by all means, keep on rocking it just the way you are. Just an idea I had when I finished listening. And thank you so much, Joe. The, the feedback is super helpful. Yeah, I definitely have thought of, of doing that, of responding, because a number of times when I've listened back to the podcast, I've wanted to respond to things on the podcast, and we may introduce a little bit more of that. I simply have not done that yet because I wanted to be careful about respecting the guest and not feel I don't want them to feel like I set them up to be uh, dismantled. But I do want to in- encourage more engagement, uh, more dialogue. That's really what this podcast is about. It's about asking honest questions and hopefully getting good, honest answers. And it is about evangelism. I hope that there are people today listening who are not yet believers in Jesus, and I hope that the Lord will use what I'm doing here, what we are doing, 
to help you, if, the, if this is you listening, to become a follower of Jesus and to understand better what that really means. That's part of the reason I do it myself. I want to understand more what it means to follow Jesus. Don't forget that the first three people to write today are going to receive a copy of A Wind in the House of Islam. Next week, our host is going to be David Garrison, the author of that book. You don't want to miss this podcast. It's a fascinating uh, study on what is happening around the world in the Muslim community. Very exciting and very challenging at the same time. So stay tuned for that. Also, as you're listening to today's podcast, my wife and I and our kids are on a ministry tour in Texas, and we are vlogging our way across the USA, and you get a glimpse a little bit into what our lives are like, but also the people we're meeting and the things we're experiencing as we go along. The vlog is pretty lighthearted and fun, and I think you would enjoy it. You also get to put a face sometimes to uh, the names and the voices that are uh, featured on our weekly podcast. If you are an iTunes user and know that this podcast is available through the iTunes app, please take a minute on your phone just to uh, write a review for us. It'll help other people find the podcast, and we'd appreciate hearing your feedback. So until next week, thanks for listening, and God bless.